In a moment, we're going to have uh, a wonderful opportunity to reflect back over the course of 2011. And each person here is going to have an opportunity to, to give thanks for what Jesus has done, what he has accomplished in their lives, and uh, speak about it. Speak about his gracious, gracious work in our lives. So it's a unique service, uh, Reflect 2011, call it Testimonies of Thanksgiving. So we're going to do that. But before we have this opportunity, and as I pray feverishly all morning that someone would actually get up and speak, it might be you. All right, you're probably, you might be here this morning, you're thinking, I know way I'm going to do this, but you still might do it. There's still time. You know it. (laughs) There's some groans out there. I love it. All right, but before we speak, uh, here at Sunrise, we believe before we talk, we should give God the opportunity to have the first word. So if you you would, uh, if you have a Bible with you, open up to Psalm 107, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3, at least to start out. Sound good? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. In this psalm, the psalmist reminds this worshiping community of three things they have in common, but also one difference in their lives. First of all, in common, All of these people were held captive. Alright, so the context of Psalm 107 is that Judah is returning from exile. God had used the the Babylonians basically to uh, kick him out of Judah in about 597 B.C., the 590s B.C. They had simply been giving their hearts to other things, to other people, to other ideas, to other places that they thought would satisfy them more than God. They thought would fill their hearts and make them content in a way that God could not. And while they were still yet unsatisfied, they kept doing it. And God warned them. He said, I've made this covenant with you. I've, I've entered into this relationship with you. I'm warning you. But they still didn't listen. And so God disciplined them and because he's a father and he does these things. And so they went off into exile And each person uh, that is being addressed in Psalm 107 went off into exile and captivity, but in different ways. They were held captive. We're going to see that here in a moment. Second thing they had in common, that all were delivered them from that captivity. Seventy years of it, and they were free to return back to their land. The Lord heard their cry. In fact, He graciously led them into captivity so that they could see their need to cry out to the Lord their need for him. Thirdly, the third thing they had in common after being delivered and freed is they were all called to publicly tell about it, publicly say so. I love this line here in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Right? I I love it. It's just the psalmist is, is, is just saying, look, it's not complicated. Just stand up and share the facts. It doesn't need to be glamorous. It doesn't need anything more than that. To stand up and say what God has done. I remember uh, times, a few times I had an opportunity to work with uh, inner city youth in the city of New Orleans in Louisiana back in the United States. And some, some rough places. And I was with this mission in this local church. And a couple times it was after Hurricane Katrina. And at the end of the week, 
they would have something called a say-so, where all the kids would stand up, and adults as well, and students, and they would say something what God has done. And I didn't realize until reading Psalm 107 this last week, ah, it's in the Bible. I thought it was just alliteration, you know, say-so. Sounded cute. But it's actually here, Psalm 107. So that's what we have opportunity to do this morning, and I'm very much looking forward to that. But let me tell you first the one difference. They come from different places, right? The four corners of the earth. He says they are gathered in, all of you, verse 3, gathered in from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. And it's just interesting to me. There's an interesting pattern, really fascinating pattern, that emerges when you start to read the Older Testament. And that is that God's people increasingly disperse. They increasingly and further get further away from each other. If you think about it, you start with Adam and Eve, right? That unit, that family unit there, and they have to leave the garden. And then Cain kills Abel. Cain flees, builds the cities, and then multiple cities arise. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, basically were really wanderers in the known world at the time. Finally, they get a land, God's people does, and a king. Okay, but then, basically less than 150 years, that kingdom divides. People disperse from each other. And then that northern kingdom, the smaller kingdom, has its own exile, its own punishment that God uses because they gave their hearts to other things other than God thinking it would satisfy them. It's called the Assyrian exile, and Israel's people go off, some of them never to return. A couple hundred years later, the larger nation, the southern kingdom of Judah, goes into this exile what we're reading about here, that some of them would never return. In fact, the second exile began what was known among Jews. If you ask any Orthodox Jew, they'll know about this. It started the Jewish diaspora that continued to the first century A.D. And in fact, the first century A.D. rolled around, and by that time, there were, historians almost across the board agree, it's almost certain there were more Jews living outside of Palestine than in it by that time. And the reason I bring this little brief history lesson up this morning not to bore you, but it's to think that, to, and consider that I don't think this was a coincidence. I believe this was part of God's larger plan because He wanted to reunite family from great distances, not under ancestry, tribe, or language. You know, things that create inward focus, right? Things, it's about us. But rather unite under a deliverer. One who delivers from sin, from death, from eternal pain. But they would unite under Him. It would be about Him. Friends, it may not be an ancestry, tribe, or language, but we'll always be tempted to bond with other people, with something or someone other than Jesus. The greatest connection we have, it'll be tempting to make that be about something else other than Jesus. It might not be your language, your ancestry, but it might be something different. And as Ephesians 2 points out, Jesus Christ is our strongest and most lasting glue that can bond a person. 
We'll always seek other things. Nothing can bond two people like Jesus. That's why it's amazing. There's, there's, there's no, nothing like the church. We come together, and, and there are people who, let's face it, you look at me, you might think, I wouldn't really hang out with that guy. All right? But because of Jesus, we are. You are forced to like me, or at least be around me. All right? So it's true, though. And isn't that amazing? This psalm, then, kind of like the, all the Old Testament, it's a hint towards something to come. It's a, it's a hint towards an ingathering to come. An ingathering of all who trust Christ get to experience and thus are called to celebrate together. One thing we can experience today as we gather, oftentimes from the four corners of the earth, or at least the four corners of our world, bonded together by deliverer. We get a chance to fulfill this psalm this morning. Let me just, before we begin, and I love this morning, it's one of the highlights of the year to me where I get to just hear, and hopefully you get to hear about his work and his graciousness in people's lives. Let me just do a little bit of housekeeping before we begin. I want to share the ABCs of sharing. All right, uh, if you don't know these, it's always good times. ABCs of sharing testimonies. A, we want to keep this about Jesus. Uh, yes, it's going to be personal to your lives, but primarily this time is about him. About what he's done, what he's accomplished, what he is still doing in our lives. And So uh, if you... Maybe you have some special prayer or prayer formula for healing that God has showed you in your life and you want to talk about it from the book of Isaiah. You know, call me later, let's have lunch. All right? Uh, or, or put it in your blog. For this morning, let's keep it about Jesus and, and what he's done for us. Uh, the B, uh, just be brief-ish. Uh, one to four minutes is kind of the good range we're looking for here. Uh, we just want to opportunity for as many people as possible to share uh if you stop hearing yourself from the microphone it is intentional all right so just keep that in mind um yeah probably won't happen but you know if it goes to 10 minutes it will all right clear i'll just be as clear as possible uh what things were life before jesus worked jesus working what life is like now because of jesus something like that that's a good outline actually couple other notes. Uh, please speak into this microphone. All right, it's going to be up nice and high. Uh, it's adjustable from here. Right. If you think you're loud enough not to speak in the mic, you're not. I'm just going to say that out there. One last thing. Uh, if, if you see someone up here and they're speaking, but you want to speak and you feel led to speak, I encourage you just to kind of move things along. We have a couple different on-deck circles, if you will, uh, right here. If you want to just kind of come up here in these first two rows, maybe the second row even, or on this side, or right over here will know that you know, you're coming up next. Great opportunity. So don't feel afraid to come now while someone else is speaking. All right, good. Let's let the Spirit work. And I have, I have no one I've set up to share this morning. I have no one in the audience I've designated to share first. So it's really up to the Lord and you guys. Um, I came to, came, I returned to Cayman um, maybe eight months ago. Wow, it seems so easy. Anyways, I returned eight months ago, and um, I was in a position where I um, was, I came down to get engaged to somebody, and I um, got a job for a while, and within three months of being here, all those things fell apart, and I was in a situation where I didn't have a place to stay, and 
I didn't have a relationship anymore, and I didn't even have a job. And just through the kindness of friends, I've been living on people's couches for, what, like five months now? People here. <laughs> and um, I've just, I'm really grateful for everything that has been done for me, and I know that it's Jesus working in my life. I used to come to this church um, when I lived on island about three years ago, and I missed it when I was gone, when I was back in Canada, and I knew that I needed to get back to this church because it was so enriching and fulfilling for me the last time I was here. And when I came back, a lot had changed, but the spirit of the church was still the same. People were still generous and kind, and I'm so grateful for, for that. I have a job now. Yay! <laughs> and um, I, I even have kind of a relationship with somebody, and I have great, amazing friends that have come around and, you know, just really been encouraging to me and helped me in every way. I mean, I didn't have a job for so long. I had no money. I was being fed and sheltered and just cared for by amazing people right here. And I'm so thankful to Jesus because I know it's all him. So praise God. Thank you very much. Tiffany. I'm the obnoxious one that spoke about the puppy a few weeks ago. <laughs> Which I still have. Praise God for him. Um, the other week we talked about God's plan. Um, since I was four years old, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And I have had people tell me, you are not going to do it. You're not smart enough. It's a man's profession. Um, and I worked I worked my way through undergrad. Um, I do have a learning disability with numbers. I have, it's called dyscalculia. It's the opposite of dyslexia with numbers. And I could never get tested for it because the schools in the states, even though this is illegal, they won't take you into veterinary school. That's how competitive it is. So while the other kids were having their tests read to them in like chemistry, I had to sit there and reread questions over and over again. And I did it. I failed chemistry three times, but it's okay. I got through. Um, and this year, I was accepted into vet school. And that was a big deal for me, um, even though it's not in the States, it's here. And I think it's important to remember that you need to follow your dreams, no matter what they are, because God will get you there. And it's hard. I miss my mom and I miss my dad, and I miss my fiancé. But I am so blessed that God has given me this church and given me friends that I can call when I need them. And I know that God has me on a path that I am going to do amazing things. And I just think that everybody needs to remember that this year and the next coming year. And if you have children, and like my mom did, do not suppress their dreams because that may be God's path for them. 
I'll just start off. Uh, hi everyone, I'm Linus. Uh, I'm from India. Yeah, that that actually shows exactly what Pastor Ryan was talking about this morning about it doesn't matter where you're from, and uh, Christ brings us all together. And that's uh, two of my buddies from uh, from college in the states, and we went to India. Uh, but I'm from India, so going back home. <clears throat> I just wanted to share a little story today about uh, God's goodness and how He's still a God who answers our prayers. Um, in India, my, my uncle, one of my uncles, is a uh, forest service officer, and uh, what he found was uh, a bunch of people living in the forest. Uh, I know this sounds like Lost, right? In the TV show Lost. Uh, but these were actually people living in the forest, uh, kind of isolated from the rest of the world, uh, kind of um, living on their own. And uh, we had an opportunity to go visit them. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just explain words first. Uh, and then, uh, so what happened is uh, that my uncle has been trying really hard to get the government to uh, have them registered as a village, as an actual village, uh, because that's the only way you can get um, commodities sponsored by the government, like uh, food, um, electricity, running water, uh, things essential for life. Um, and so uh, he's been working for that, and uh, uh, if you know any government, or especially India, uh, it's very hard to get things moving, very hard to get things like these uh, sanctioned, and so uh, um, in the pictures, uh, um, this is us just uh, getting ready, that's us walking, you can see it's just forests everywhere, and there's no real road, there's no vehicles, and uh, there are times where we have to walk, you know. So that's just us walking towards the village area right there. It's not even a village, it's like 50 people. Um, the next picture shows some of the kids. What really struck me there was just, they weren't happy kids running around. They were just kind of weak, sad. They looked scared, um, just malnourished. And uh, At this point, uh, the next picture also shows uh, that that's actually the whole bunch of them just living there. Uh, so what we decided to do was talk to them, figure out what they needed, and of course, I felt really helpless because uh, I can't really bring them all that they need. Uh, and so we decided to pray for them, with them, uh, that the people who were in a position to help would really help, and that was the government. And so my uncle was trying really hard to get that done, and uh, thankfully, a month later, uh, the government actually sanctioned that, and they approved it as a village to get all that stuff going. I think. Uh, You'd have to be from India to really know the significance of this because it's really hard to get thing, these things done. Uh, so I just wanted to remind you guys and myself that God is a God who still listens to our prayers, and even though it seems impossible, that, uh, that He answers in His own time, in His own way. And yeah, well, I mean, candy makes everything better. So thanks for listening. James. Um, I had a, a been to Sunrise for, this is my second year now, and um, during this year I had a, my, my journey uh, began with a book thrown in my eye by my youngest, my, one of my twin boys, and I had a black eye for three weeks, and um, I had little like raindrops, sensation of little raindrops going down the lens, and I was told to see the doctor, and the doctor said to me, you've got to go to Miami tomorrow, you've got a 
a detaching retina. You need, you need surgery. So he referred me to one of his best, best friend doctors in Miami. And we flew over there. I was under the knife for four hours. He saved the eye. They had so much work to do to, re you know, to reattach the strands. I was on my side for two weeks to allow the, the process to heal. And they sailed me back to, I sailed back to Cayman on the carnival destiny because I couldn't fly. So uh, there began a journey. And four months later, the process was complete. I couldn't fly. Um, I'm now able to fly. I flew for the first time in four months, two, two weeks ago. And God's good. And uh, I then had to have cataract surgery because cataracts grew. I've got a new lens in my eye. And my vision is back to where it was before. And I have to thank God because, A, the timing of everything that he has put in place. Uh, and I go back to... Uh, his plan for our lives and it's almost like nothing surprises him he's already planned what's going to happen to you before you know it and he probably has planned it from your birth because he takes me and he puts me in an obscure island called Cayman Islands where I'm worried about the healthcare and anything worse than anything routine you go to Miami <laughs> and he happens to place one of the best eye, eye, eye ophthalmologists opticians in the island who happened to know how to diagnose me and refer me to a superb surgeon in Miami and that can only be God for the timing it's almost like he knew this would happen before it did and he planned it before I even came here and I have to say nothing surprises God so when something really bad happens to you and you're going through something be, be aware that God's already known about it and he's got some solutions and you just have to just thank him and work him through it and he, he's always there with you and, and so I just want to praise him for, the being, for being so in control um and the other thing I want to thank God for is the stunning growth of the two children. Uh, they're, just, they're just amazing and they, they're so loving. Unconditional in the giving of their love and I praise God. So, fantastic year he's given me. Hi, my name is Neil. And I really wasn't going to come here today and do this, but I saw Pastor Ann's email and I said, I'm not really going to do this. <laughs> and then I was reading the word yesterday and all of a sudden I was in reading Psalm 116 and I saw the words, for he has delivered your soul from death. And the, I mean, the many, many times that the Lord has delivered me from things in my life that I could have been dead, I mean, physically, emotionally spiritually it's amazing but I just like to talk about one thing I suffered with anxiety disorder for 10 years and if anybody knows what that is like it's a nightmare because you can't you can't go anywhere you can't it got to the point where I literally couldn't leave my home and I went to doctors and I went to psychologists and I went to psychiatrists and I remember a psychologist telling me that I said to him I said I said to him I said, he said, I said to him, maybe one day I'll be able to look back and laugh at this. And he said, well, maybe you won't. Because he really was saying to me that there was no way that I would be able to be cured from this. And what I just wanted to say today is that I prayed a lot during those 10 years. And God took it away one day. One day, just, it just went. It wasn't there anymore. And... It's just the most incredible thing I've ever experienced in my life because I thought I'd have to live with this forever. So I just want to thank God and let you know that with God, all things are possible.
morning, everybody. Um, I'm just visiting this church. I've been here a few times. And I'm a mother of two teenagers. Well, not teenagers. One's 20, and my, my son and my daughter is 18. Um, they, right after the Hurricane Ivan, they left and, well, we took them to school in Canada. So they went through their whole boarding school from grade 9 through 12. And that was an interesting time because they were so young. Um, my daughter stayed a year after because although she wanted to go, I said, you're too young. <laughs> so she stayed with us and um, meanwhile my son spent a year there on his own and both of them went. And my husband and I decided that we would buy a condo so we would have a second home. Uh, firstly, in case we had another hurricane <laughs> and secondly, um, to be closer to the kids and to have a base for them so that whenever school would close for long weekends, we'd be able to invite their friends, maybe meet some of the parents. Anyway, it's cut a long story short. They're now, my son's still in Canada at college and my daughter's in Glasgow at university. And I just want to say to you that that whole journey has, it brings you to your knees as a parent and the young lady who was just talking about herself being away here at school. Um, it's amazing what God does and what he teaches you through your own kids. Um, and how much he teaches you to trust him when you can't see your kids, when you don't know what they're doing. And, you know, they're out with their friends. And even up to last night, my daughter was out with friends in Glasgow and she was going back to her res. And I said, see if you can get somebody to go with you. I said, text me when you get home. You know, but through it all, um, the Lord has taught me to trust him. Trust him when I can't, I don't know. Um, trust him in their growing up, you know, even though it's not all cut and dried and you think you want your kids to be, you know, here doing certain things, going to church every Sunday, but he just says it, it totally, totally is all about him. And um, my prayer for them and for myself and even for everybody else here is that, um, and I can never remember which scripture it is, but it is that, um, you know, that you would just the Holy Spirit would just increase our strength and, and cause us to grow in might so that we might know the Lord, you know, and uh, that, that's, that's my prayer, that, that we would know him and we would come to know him through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's my prayer for my kids, that, that they would come to know him. And it's all about Jesus and it's all about what he, he, he can do, he has done and what he will continue to do because he's always faithful. Thank you. Morning. I'm Brad. Um, by show of hands, how many people here, like when watching a movie, like to predict the ending? Kind of like, you know, oh, I got this figured out. And you kind of get disappointed when you're right. You know, usually when you're right, you're like, haha, I'm right. Um, but with movies, it's like, I knew that was going to happen. I don't like this movie anymore. Um, and I, I do that all the time. My wife, I've been physically assaulted on more than a few occasions because I predict the ending of a movie while we're watching it. Um, but I, I kind of, I start to do that with life sometimes. Um, I, I, you know, try to 
predict what's going to happen, and, and I sometimes feel like things get in a rut because, oh, this is what life is going to be like, or this is what's going to happen in my life. Um, and I just wanted to uh, thank God for the plot twists that happen in our lives, um, the good and the bad, because I think they uh, keep us on our toes and, and keep us thankful for um, a lot of things. We've had a few ups and downs uh, recently. My grandfather passed away, and uh, it was tough. <laughs> um, it kind of hit hard, even though we knew it was coming. Um, and I was really dreading going home. Uh, you know, everyone has, like, a crazy family. But, you know, let's just throw that out there. Everyone has some crazy people in their family. Um, so I was really not looking forward to going home. And, um, you know, just when things like that happen, drama tends to escalate. Uh, and it just was not going to be a good thing. But we um, we went home, Elisa and I, and just had, like, the most perfect week. Um, got to see all my, my cousins, my brothers, uh, my nephews, and, and just... Um, had sort of a perfect time, and it was, I think, just what we needed at that time. Um, so then we came back, and we were all excited uh, to go on vacation. It was the first vacation we had been on um, in a long time, and it was somewhere that Elisa had been wanting to go for quite some time, to Cuba. And we get there, and we were just having the most magical time, um, and it was the second night that we were there, and, and we were just had a beautiful dinner at the top of this skyscraper building and, and just an amazing day and we're on a stroll and we got mugged um, so within 48 hours so we were supposed to be there a week and uh, we lost all our money Elisa lost her passport um, and we spent like the next 12 hours in police stations um, the Cuban hospital uh, which was interesting um, to say the least and uh, again, all along, you know, I see these plot twists. Like we go and we're so excited about vacation and then this hits us and it's like, you know, one of those, those big plot twists. But at the same time, you know, I felt like we were learning lessons the entire way. Um, learning about, you know, how we should behave in a foreign country, you know, in the practical type of things. But then, you know, for the next two days, I felt, um, pretty helpless in a, in a country where I didn't speak, I don't speak the language at all. And it's not like CSI where they, oh, this person speaks English, bring in a translator. We never once got a translator. There was, there was no one. Um, and, and so I spent like the next two days literally just going, huh, what, what's that? Um, and I was so thankful to have my wife with me who does speak Spanish. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it was, it was one of those twists that, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't great, <laughs> you know, it's not good to lose all your money and your passport and things like that, but I just saw, um, you know, God's hand in all of that with, you know, I, I, it helped me to realize how strong of a wife I have, and maybe just appreciate her a little more than I was previously, and uh, yeah, so in the good, um, when the good becomes bad, and when the bad becomes good, um, I think there's lessons to be learned, and uh, God does everything for a reason, and he's always good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> okay.
Okay, I know most of you think I talk a lot, but this is like one of my second biggest fears is talking to people, so I'm sorry if my voice shakes a little bit. Um, for those of you that know me well, that know me well will know that the last couple of months haven't really been a good health spurt for me. Um, when people run into me and they ask, how are you? I think they just start like, oh, you know, and um, this one girl at work come to me and she's like, oh, Bianca, I think you're falling apart physically. And um, I don't know, just to give you an idea, um, a couple of months ago, I hadn't been to the doctor once on Ireland, I've been here since January, and in August I um, broke my hand playing touch rugby. And um, the thing that upset me the most that I wouldn't be able to dive when I went on a holiday in Honduras. And um, I ended up, or I broke my right hand, which I'm right-handed and I'm an accountant, so it was a little bit of a problem. But I ended up being able to do a dive and going to Honduras. And <laughs> when I got back from Honduras, I'd picked up some parasite bug or something. And I wasn't able to keep anything down for two weeks. And so I lost like six kilograms. And then um, after I recovered from that, after being on a lot of antibiotics and stuff, and a week after that, then um, I'd gone to the movies with Linda and I got back home and I started getting fever and shivers and bad headaches and so I went to the doctor the next day and she said well because of the bag you picked up you probably weren't absorbing a malaria tablet so she thinks I've got malaria so um, I got malaria <laughs> for a couple of days which is really bad as well and um, so when I recovered from that then I went for total blood count um, tests because I said it's good to follow up and my test came back with really low white blood cell count, which isn't good. <laughs> and um, anyways, she said I should just maybe just try and eat a little bit more and we'll do a follow-up blood test a w in a week's time, which we did. And um, the test came back normal and I started feeling better. But I think, I don't know, I'm not somebody who likes handing control over. And everything was fine. Everybody was really helpful and stuff during the first while. But I think when when the malaria came and I was having the bad fever and stuff and you're just lying in bed and you're on your own and when we were tiny my mom used to have this, these stickers in the car and the one verse that just kept going through my head while I was lying there having fever it's 2 Timothy 1 7 saying God did not give us power of fear but a power of love spirit and power of love power and sound mind and um, it really took me through the worst days of that and just um, God putting people in my path and good friends that were there the whole time praying for me and I'm not somebody who asks people to pray for them, I'm just, I don't know, I'm not that kind of person but my friend's just coming to me saying, can I pray for you and um, do you need anything and um, even people <laughs> my fat mates helping me cut my food because I <laughs> couldn't cut my food with my hand and um, yeah, just, I don't know, bad things happen but I think that just, you just have to go to God with it it's the person that you go to and um and you can go to anybody, but you should just go to God as a starting point instead of trying to control it yourself. Like I trust you. <laughs> right. I brought notes. <laughs> um, those of you who don't know me, my name's Lisa, Lisa Sullivan, and. Um, Ironically, the first time I came to this church was one year ago today for this. 
And James, I remember so very clearly your testimony last year. And it made me want to keep coming back to this church. In fact, it, it told me that this church was my home. And this is where I was supposed to be. So I want you to know, you, your testimonies do make a difference. Um, I, Many of you know I've had a struggle that I don't really want to get into um, over the past year. Um, I wanted to talk to you about how prayer has, prayer and many things in this church have saved my life, <laughs> literally. Um, because I struggled, I was in such a struggle that I really could have crawled up in a ball and died, <laughs> truthfully. Um, I came across one verse that I, that has many, many, I had many prayers and many verses that helped me, but one particular verse was from Philippians 4, and it said, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for the good, <laughs> for the good will, will come and settle you. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And this is what's happened to me this year. What I'd like to share with you is I'd like to share with you some of the things that I've learned this year. I learned that God strategically places people and events in your life just when you need them the most. Most of the time, they don't even know what they're doing for you. This church, the people of this church, my small group, and I can see some of you in this room right now you saved my life. Thank you for inviting me to join your group. It's quite amazing, really, because I'm 49 years old, and I, this group of people that asked me to come be with them, they're all young, 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 and I, many times I say to them, I can't believe you want me here. I can't believe you want me here. You've been a blessing for me, and you've prayed me through. And you know who you are. You've prayed me through this. A pastor who emails me quite regularly, even if I don't answer him. <laughs> but I want you to know, Ryan, that makes a difference. To get, a, to get an email from you that says, you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to be praying for you today. So even if I don't get around to answering, which I always have the intention of answering, I just want to tell you. But it's like you want to put thought into some things and you want to say the right things and then you just don't get to it. But thank you. Um, Coach Greg, who I don't see in here today, who happens to have uh, he works at my school I didn't really know him very well before but when I was having my struggle I would go out at noon and I just walk around the building and pray and one day he walked out of the building and said um, and he could tell something was wrong with me and I just broke down and started talking to him and he prayed for me and here's the funniest thing how God puts people in your life even when they don't know they're supposed to be there 
he couldn't remember why he came out that door. He was heading to a completely other part of our school. And for some reason, he came out that door at that time. And it continued to happen throughout when I was having struggles that he would be in a different part of the school than he usually would be in and be there at just the right time and have just the right things to say.